0: Hello and welcome to Fee Play Love and this episode of Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. If you've never listened to this show before <laughs> or watched us live on Facebook, this is a show where you can ask Chris Minogue all your questions. Chris has had over 30 years experience helping families with everything from bringing a newborn home to sibling rivalry, to feeding issues. Basically, if there's something that is um, challenging you right now, you can ask Chris your questions and she will help guide you through. <laughs> she loves it. And it's amazing to watch her get into the nitty-gritty and just basically helps you see the, the forest Amongst the trees. Amongst the trees, because it can be very hard, especially when you're sleep deprived, to work out a way forward. Yeah. Um, so there are a number of ways you can get in touch with Chris. If you're watching us live via Facebook, please feel free to pop your comments below the video and we will get to them. Uh, you can also call us on 1-800-543-772. If, however, you're listening via the podcast, the best way to get in touch is to email your question to helpline at parentbrand.com.au. Hello, Chris. Hi. <laughs> it's Chris's second week back. She's still fresh. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. You haven't lost the <laughs> no, holiday no. glow. Can you get a holiday glow from Europe?
1: I oh, mean, yeah. Well, not
0: Europe, London. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh, I'm staying in it. Every it's time good. I sit in the traffic, I just go back to some nice shop in London and I'm all there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's
1: a shop in London. Yeah. a beach a shop in London.
0: <laughs> love it. Okay. So we have a First up, we've got a Facebook message, which is a follow-up from last week with Michelle Yep. She has an eight-month-old who's seven-month-old mm-hmm. adjusted. I'll just refresh with the first okay. question. Okay. So this is what she asked last week. Wakes up at 5 a.m. and mm-hmm. starts the day from there. Bedtime is 6.30 to 7. Mm-hmm. Current guidance is to keep her up until 9 a.m. when she wakes at 5 and keep that nap brief, one hour max, then a second nap at 1 to 3. Then if that nap doesn't go well, a power nap at four thirty, fifteen 15 minutes max. Yep. She usually wakes for her 1 to 3 nap, doesn't make the distance and can't resettle. So this is the follow-up. I'm completely aware of those awake times. It was advice from the sleep consultant to just leave her in the cot from five to seven and she would settle herself because she self-settles for her night's sleep and overnight. She hasn't, uh, and she hasn't. hasn't. Then furthermore, to wake her from her 9am nap so she doesn't link it to the night. Mm -hmm. Sophie can can do quite a long stretch regardless of how I settle her at this time and extend the afternoon nap instead. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know if the above was okay information as this was a month ago. We've already been trying to settle her from 5 to 5.30 with no success. I'll try further and getting her to self-settle for day sleeps. It's never worked for us, ever. I know these are the key, but I can't force sleep and worry I'll end up with a baby in further sleep debt. At least with my putting my hands on her, she gets two
1: hours in the morning and 40 in the afternoon. It's something, I guess. It is something, and I agree. I think the only thing with the information that she was previously given, which is leave her in the cot from five to seven, is that realistically not a ch- lot of children sleep till seven in the morning? So That's did yours? True. No. no.
0: <laughs> ever No. <laughs>
1: so I think if we're going to be realistic about this because she is difficult in terms of you know if you can get a if you can't get her to sleep, you can't get her to sleep, or you can't extend the sleep, is that generally for her age for an eight month old's age, and she's a month early, She would be awake in a sequence of two and a half hours, then three hours, then three and a half hours. And it's realistic to try and get her from five o'clock to six o'clock in the morning and then start that process. So she could go down at 8.30, she could sleep till 10.30, then she could go down at 1.30 and hopefully sleep, you know, till till 1.30, 2.30. And she might need that next little sleep because that's what you're struggling with. As she goes through this month, though, they usually drop the third sleep, just developmentally. And this is where she'll struggle if she's having the bigger sleep in the morning and the shorter sleep in the afternoon. Because if she goes down at 8.30 and sleeps till 10.30, which is a brilliant sleep, no matter how you get her there, by the time you put her down at 1.30 and she's up at 2.30, she won't make it to 6.37. And that's sometimes why they put restrictions on their sleep. So the restrictions that the um, consultant has given you is very similar to a nine-month-old. So a nine-month-old and nine to 14 months, they sleep for an hour in the morning so that they can sleep longer in the afternoon. And if you've been trying this with no success of lengthening the afternoon sleep, it's more important that she gets the sleep. Than which configuration she's in that sleep. But I think you'd have to modify the late afternoon. So in taking that into account, there's two things. And one of them is a very good piece of information. One is I'd only be trying till six o'clock because I think that's reasonable to try for two hours. She's been awake for that whole two hours. She's really overtired by nine o'clock. And the second thing is if you live in See, New South Wales or Victoria, this weekend, the clocks are going forward. So that five o'clock wake up will be a six o'clock wake up and then you'll be in the right time frame. Oh, you might not have to do anything. You might not. If you just hang in there, it might all <laughs> fix itself on Sunday morning. So this is where the clock's going in the good direction, where nice. everyone thinks they've got to sleep in, but they haven't. Um, <laughs> but I think... She's a very overtired baby from the start of the day. And if you're struggling, then the time that she's given you, that almost three hours in the day, is better than struggling with sleep altogether. Mm. I hope that makes sense for you.
0: Yeah, good luck, Michelle. Um, We have an email from Kirsten. She has a 19-month-old. You mentioned bottle weaning in the most recent episode. My ears certainly pricked up (laughs) as I have a 19-month-old who loves his bottles, cow's milk. Mm -hmm. He has two to three per day, 180 mils in the morning, around... 6am uh, before breakfast, sometimes 100 meals before his lunchtime nap, yep. and then 180 meals again about 30 minutes before bed, so about 6 to 6.15. We add water to these so the milk is a little diluted. He eats very well throughout the day, sometimes whinging for more snacks. He takes water from a sippy cup with meals and as prompted. He We recently introduced a water bottle type thing to lukewarm success. He loves taking water, green smoothies from our cups, yeah. but with limited success as more ends up down his front than in his mouth. Yeah. How do you transition the bottles out and so we keep offering milk in something like, like a sippy cup. cup.
1: Mm. So I would take our normal plan and just modify it because he's 18 months old and we don't want him on that much volume of, of milk. And lots of people water it down, but it's still a bottle with milk in it. So don't water it down. If you're going to give it to him, give it to him. Um, the first one I get rid of is your lunchtime one because you've already got that one down to 100 mils. So what I would do is buy him his new cup. So if he's into um, Bob the Builder, buy him a Bob the Builder cup. But he would be a sippy cup, uh, the, the sort of bee box one, if he can do the straw, is a really good one. And you're just going to put the 100 mils in that cup, okay? And he can take it or not take it because he seems to be getting plenty of fluid during the day through water and smoothies and things like that. So you're just offering it in the cup and then you've just got rid of that bottle. At the same time you get rid of that lunchtime bottle, what I would do is drop his morning bottle down to 100 mils and his evening bottle down to 150 mils. So what we've done is taken one out and just drop the other two down so it's not too big an impact on him. After a week, you're going to get rid of the first bottle, the morning bottle. So you're going to get up and, well, somebody's going to get up, and take him and give him his breakfast first. And if he whinges for milk, you're going to offer it in the same cup that you've given it to him at lunchtime. And he'll get better and better at taking it in that cup. You can even use the same cup that he takes the water from because he knows that the water, he knows how to use it in getting the water out. Give yourself another week, and then comes the really difficult one, which is the bedtime one. And so, the bedtime one, you've dropped it down to 150, then drop it down to 100 mils. And then, over a weekend, because you need some support, we're going to drop it all together. And when you read him a story, just put a bit of milk in that sippy cup again, and he gets that and then put him down. And you want to make these transitions now, because as he gets older, it's more and more difficult. And certainly when he gets to an age where he's in a bed and he's taking a bottle, it really plays havoc with the way that they go to sleep. So write yourself out a little plan um, and drop them down slowly, and I'm sure it'll go smoothly. All right.
0: Good luck, Kirsten. Uh, This is a question on our Facebook Live from Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Um, Do you have any experience with children that have ADD? We are struggling with sleep issues with our six-year-old. He has trouble winding down. Our routine has been the same forever. A shower, PJs, a calm show, up for teeth brushing and into bed to read. He's been up until 9.30pm and he's actually starting to wake up at night and come into our bed, which he never does. His diet is super clean. No
1: food dyes or preservatives. It's from Caroline. Hi, Caroline. When they get to this age, around the six, and and they've got these um, sleep issues around the ADD, ADD, then usually I refer my mums on to someone like a developmental paediatrician who can really look at everything going on and give you a lot more structure around his sleep behaviour. So I think at this point I would talk to your GP about a developmental paediatrician as opposed to a straight normal pediatrician, for want of a word, because they look at all these types of behaviours in these children. And I think they would be able to give you much more consistent advice and be able to follow you through.
0: Yeah. And I know that one of my best friends had that problem with her son and it was very
1: tricky because... To to get the... To
0: to work it out and how to calm them down because they're just wired differently.
1: That's right. And the way that you use language to help them calm down. But I think you need someone in your court. And this is probably going to be a long-term thing. So I I would start with a developmental paediatrician and they will certainly be able to guide you from there. Yeah, good luck, Caroline. That's tough. Um, we have an email
0: from Tanya. I'm hoping you have some strategy. Uh, I'm hoping for some strategies to assist with my almost four-year-old daughter who cannot stand to have my full attention taken away from her. <laughs> She's a sensitive soul who needs constant company and reassurance. (laughs) However, I am unable to get her to play by herself or spend time on her own with me nearby. She has a good imagination and is very capable of playing on her own but just mopes around or follows me from room to room asking for me to play until I do. Following this... Following this is her constant need for my attention. She switched on emotionally and is intelligent. However, if there is ever a situation where she doesn't have my full attention, she will yell, scream out, cry hysterically, etc., etc. Mm. For example, if I'm on the phone, she will yell and do whatever it takes to get my attention, even if that is following me around the house making sure I can't hear the person on the end of the phone. That is very frustrating. Um If I'm vacuum cleaning, she will scream and cry the whole time, even if I have given her something to do or play with or a promise to play after housework. If I'm having coffee with a friend, she will play up or pretend cry until she gets my attention. I know this is a very normal part of childhood. However, it seems to be a little over the top. She is also an only child and has her dad and nana who never say no to playing with her. This is quite distressing for me at times. I can imagine, Tanya. Tanya. Tough,
1: exhausting. Um, the interesting thing about this, and, and it doesn't say in this, but if we could get that piece of information, is whether she exhibits this behaviour elsewhere. So if she goes to maybe preschool or daycare for two or three days, does she actually exhibit this behaviour? So can she cognitively actually follow the instruction? The teacher might say it's outdoor play and she can go outdoors and she can play and she can interact with the kids. Because if If that's the case, then we know there's nothing else going on for her. This is more, we put it in the behavioural four-year-old category. But if she can't, the problem is she must be coming up to school somewhere along the line and we need to work out, do we need to give her some more strategies um, to be able to cope when things aren't going her way? Because that's what it sounds more like. And then we have Dad and Nana playing the hero. So they're coming in with their capes on saying, yes, I'm all there for you. And it sounds like you're trying to put in really normal behaviours, like I'm vacuuming. And when I finish vacuuming, we can make muffins. And she's not got that ability. Now, we would understand that at four in the afternoon, they're a bit testy, they're tired, they've had big days. So if you say wait, they sort of, you know, they lose it a little bit. But for it to be as consistent as what this sounds like, I suspect it's the dynamics of all three people. That dad and nana are jumping up and down and doing everything. You're trying to put very reasonable boundaries around her behaviour. And because it's not followed through, she just keeps at it and at it and does the pesta power until it works. And this is a bit complicated because I would be getting dad and nana and yourself together. I'd be sitting down and, and giving you know like general okay if she's not listening then general behavior so if she's not listening to you then she can't have a story that night so general little consequences that makes her think about the behavior so the first thing I would do is find out um, whether she does this socially you know can she can she behave perfectly normal on her own Second thing I'd do is I'd get Nana and Dad in in the room and have a little chat about what you think is reasonable behaviour and how you feel when they do the opposite to what you're trying to get her to do. And then the third thing I'd do is you're definitely asking reasonable behaviour from her. And then I think you have to explain to her in some way, which is, this is the hard thing, is to explain to her in some way that you will give her attention once you've finished this little task. And one way of doing that could be that you just do it, even if she wasn't asking. That you just say, even if she was playing nicely, you just say to her, would you like to help mummy make some muffins? And it gives her this incidental attention from you because I think it's probably getting very stressful between you and her, so it feels a bit like this. But I think the best place to go from here is um, sort of like a, a, not a child psychologist, but like Karen Young and, and Maggie Dent, who deal with this sort of complex um, type of child behaviour. And they could probably give you some more strategies on that the behaviour versus the consequence to it. So um, they're two of our, our experts that we often have on Feed, Play yeah. and Love.
0: And um, I'll put notes in the links of this episode so, on how you can get in touch with, well, not in touch, but you can just read their articles on yeah. their website on how to deal with children who
1: may be a little bit more attached. Or, or a little bit more demanding. or they're All yeah. these words that sort of, and, and you're saying she's quite sensitive But yet, if she can do it at school, I think this is more the dynamics of what's going on, more than a sensitive child that's Mm. going on. So, talk to her daycare and her teachers and see what's happening there.
0: Okay, good luck, Tanya. Chris Minogan Helpline on Feed, Play, Love will be back answering more questions right after this. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand.
1: I spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here. But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you know, a monkey one.
0: Because it doesn't look as bad. Yeah. Like like a disguise. (laughs) (laughs) The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. The next one comes from Natalie via email. My five-and-a-half-year-old will be starting school next year and still naps for generally one to one-and-a-half hours most days, except for when he's at kinder two days a week. Over the weekend, he can nap a little less It's mostly the longest those days after kinder, which are long daycare. Mm. I was hoping that he would transition over time to dropping his naps on his own. But given he's still having them and it's closer to school beginning, (laughs) I feel I should be transitioning him to no naps before he begins school. Do you agree? And if so, what is a gentle way of making this transition,
1: please? (laughs) I do agree. Um, but high five to get him to do it till he's five and five and a half. Know. Wow. That's brilliant. Wow. Um, and some kids just need a lot of sleep. So what I would probably do cause school starts in February. So what I would probably do between here and December is only let him have a one hour sleep. So don't cut it out completely because he is sleeping well, but I would restrict it to that one hour, uh, like one till two. And if he sleeps for an hour or 50 minutes or 10 minutes, that's his one hour. Then in January, what I would do is make his sleep more incidental. So he can only have a sleep if he's in the car in that one hour, say one to two, he can have a 20 minute sleep or you don't put him to bed at all at home, but you might just give him a rest by let's watch this movie for for 20 minutes and he might just doze and you're weaning him out of the need for sleep. You need this done, I think, by mid-January so that he was well out of the need for sleep by the time he started school at the end of January. So just bring it to the hour and then across late December and into mid-January. It's very incidental, but you're not going to put him in a bed. So you can have a nap on the couch or he can have a nap in the car and he won't go into such a deep sleep and therefore he'll just transition out of that. I think nice and gently before he goes to school.
0: Right, okay. And our next uh, question comes from Shamsia from Facebook. When
1: is the best time for babies to stop night feeding? Oh, it's like opening a can of worms. But um, generally speaking, if they're feeding really well, whether it be bottle or breast, and they're having three good meals, so somewhere in that seven to nine-month window, I think then it's reasonable that they could then start sleeping through the night without needing a feed which doesn't mean they won't get up. It just means they don't need to feed. <laughs> so <laughs> sleeping through in around that seven to nine months, I think is pretty reasonable.
0: Okay. Yeah. And if you need more help with that, That's, make sure you listen. get them back to yeah. us. Um, we have an email from Jenny. Yeah. First of all, I am your biggest fan. Ah, oh, thanks, Denny. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you please, please help me with my eight-and-a-half-month-old daughter to have longer day naps and to sleep through the night? Yeah. Our day starts at 6.30am. Usually my daughter is already awake. If she's still sleeping, I wake her up to start the day. She has a bottle of milk followed by breakfast. After some floor time, she has her first nap at nine in her cot in her own room. She falls asleep on her own in about five to ten minutes. We stopped using a dummy a week ago. Mostly, she sleeps for one hour. If she wakes up early and cries hard, I will go in after about five minutes and shush and pat. But if she is calm, I don't enter her room. I leave her in the cot until the one and a half hour mark, so until 10.30. She has a second bottle after her first nap, followed by lunch. Her second nap is in her cot between 1 and one thirty. I know your book suggests another bottle after lunch before the second nap, but she won't mm. drink anymore. Again, she goes down well, but will wake up after about one and a half hours. As with the morning nap, I shush and pat her if she cries hard. Otherwise, I don't enter her room. I leave her in her cot until the two-hour mark, so between 3 and 3.30. She has a third bottle after her second nap. Dinner is at 5, bath is at 6. Her last bottle is given in her room and she usually falls asleep by 6.30. During the night, in a semi-sleep state, she whines from around 3 a.m. I only go to her room to pat and shush if she starts to cry. She might fall asleep after about an hour. I stopped giving a night bottle about a week ago. She used to have half a bottle once or twice during the night. Am I doing it right? Should I make some adjustments? I'm also concerned that she's not eating enough solids. She eats a few bites of toast for breakfast and around 100 grams for lunch and dinner combined. She used to eat double until about three weeks ago. I can't work out why she is eating less solids.
1: Okay, so Jenny, you're probably my favorite client now because that sounds pretty good, but Mm. we're just going to twig it just a little bit. She's now nine and a half months old and um, eight eight and a half half months old. So she's coming up to nine months. So I would sort of edge her into the nine month routine. So from when she gets up in the morning, I'd give her a hundred and whatever, 150, 180 meals. And then I'd wait an hour and a half before I gave her breakfast. And then I think she might engage with breakfast. If you do that for a week and you're not getting her engaging more breakfast, when she gets up, give her her breakfast first and an hour and a half later, give her her bottle. And don't worry about how much she takes. She'll take what she needs, basically. Then keep her up for three hours. So you're going to edge that two and a half to three hours. And then if she wakes up over after an hour, get her up, okay? So we're only going to fight the fights that are worth fighting. So an hour in the morning, at eight and a half months through to about 14 months is perfectly fine. So then when she gets up, she'll have a snack, water, about 12, she'll have lunch, and then she'll have a bottle about one and go down about one thirty. And I think having that little stretch in the middle might help you with your afternoon sleep. So then in the afternoon, she might go down around 1.30 and hopefully sleep till about 3.30. And um, in that time is when I do your resettling. And you, what you're doing sounds perfectly fine. So leaving her for a short period, if you need to go in, you give her a pat. So then when she gets up at 3.30, give her a drink of water, dinner at five, and then her bottle at 6.30, quarter to seven when you put her down. So in essence, I think you're doing the right thing and but I think what you could do is probably stretch her day a little bit more and see if that helps and you can stretch it in little 15 minute little windows so tomorrow you might keep her up for two and three quarter hours before you put her down and if she wakes after an hour just get her up so because you want to do some more resettling in the afternoon and I actually think what you're doing at night is perfectly fine. Now the only caveat is that that where she used to eat really well and she's not eating as well now could be her teeth coming through so just check and see if it's just some more teeth coming through because often they'll go off that sort of um textured food when their teeth are coming through and then but keep offering and as she'll pick it up as she needs to pick it up
0: All right. Good luck, Jenny. Uh, We have time for one last question, and this is one, an anonymous one from a babyology reader. Yeah. My six-month-old was a perfect sleeper until just recently. I believe this is due to separation anxiety. He now wakes up every hour overnight and becomes hysterical. I end up bringing him into bed with me so I can get some rest, but I don't want to continue this. I have tried so many things, picking up, comforting and putting down. He becomes instantly inconsolable again. I have let him cry for a short period to see if he can work it out himself, white noise, etc. Nothing is working and I'm at my wit's end. I'm very torn between comforting him and creating bad habits mm. that sleep experts speak of. He can initially fall asleep on his own, but after a 45-minute period, he's not
1: having any more of it. Okay. So this is probably the same in the day. I assume the 45 minutes is in the day. And um, so by the time you get to do the nights, he's overtired because he might have only had two or three periods of 45-minute sleeps in the day. Um And then at night, when you try and do your very best by either letting him have a little period of time to self-settle and go in and pat him, it's probably different to what he experiences. So in the day, if he goes down on his own, wakes up 45 minutes later, and then you pick him up and say, you don't have to go back to sleep. And then at night, you're trying to get him to go back to sleep. Then he's sort of confused as to what the message should be. The waking every hour to two hours is waking on the sleep cycles, So he's repeating the pattern that he's doing through the day. And he's waking on the sleep cycles and not knowing how to go to sleep until you bring him in probably and comfort him and cuddle him and pat him. And inadvertently ends up in your bed and you lay there thinking, how'd I get to this place? So what we have to do is go back a step because I think he's a little bit overtired in the day and that's actually making your nights even more difficult. And he needs a little bit more sleep in the day. So if we can give him a chance to resettle, even if it's only for 15 or 20 minutes, I think you're going to have more success with your nights. So after he wakes up at 45 minutes and we're trying to get about an hour and a half sleep, um, so he should have at six months, two sleeps of about an hour and a half to two hours and one little cat nap. Um, When you want him to have a bigger sleep, you actually need to resettle him. And I know it's a struggle. It's a struggle when it feels like he's never going to do it because they do do it. But we have to give him the same message both day and night. And you might need the support of your partner to be able to do this, or some, you know, your mum might need to come in and help you do this. Um, and you need to do it for three days. So every bit of liter- literature that I read and when we have conferences, it still states about the three days, the four days, the five days. So let's put him down, he wakes up, let's give him a window to try and self-settle, go in. But when you go in, I only want you to put your hand on him and tap him until he's calm and then leave. We fall into the pattern of patting them to sleep just to get more sleep. But actually what we're doing is creating the pattern of I'm patting you to sleep. So you need this in and out sort of scenario happening you leave he cries for five minutes three minutes whatever the minutes are you go in you pat 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 till he's calm and then you leave again and you probably need to give yourself about 20 minutes at least to be able to see if you can resettle him and then whatever time you pick him up two hours later you've got to put him back down again and then by repeating that overnight um, except for your window where you might be feeding him I think you'll get more traction and it'll come back because he was a good sleeper and it seems to have fallen apart. So I think if we can give you the support to do it, and you can do it over three or four days, you're going to see a big improvement with his night sleeping.
0: All right. Well, good luck with that. And that's all we have time for on Helpline in this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you're watching along live via the Babyology Facebook page, a big thank you for all your questions. And Chris, thanks so much for your time. Oh, it's always a pleasure. This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. If you want to ask Chris your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.